I'm at Camden BRI with Anton Aldrick, Special Projects Manager with the responsibility for chemical food safety. And we're discussing acrylamide. So how did acrylamide become a food-related issue? Well, what happened was an incident in Sweden at the beginning of the 2000s where workers who had been on a tunnel construction site had been exposed to high levels of acrylamide. And when they measured the amount of acrylamide in their blood and compared it with controls, that's just ordinary people, they found that there was no difference. And then it was realised that people were actually eating acrylamide and had been eating acrylamide for very long periods of time. I mean, we're talking about millennia. And it's from then that the interest has been in acrylamide to try and work out what's its toxicological significance. And using best principles, how can we reduce exposure to acrylamide so that the consumer can have even safer food than they already have? So what kind of products are we talking about? Generally, we're talking about carbohydrate-rich products which are cooked or processed at very high temperatures. So we're talking in terms of in excess of approximately 120 Celsius. So the types of products that normally are considered within the remit of surveys for acrylamide would be products like potato crisps, potato chips, bread, roast coffee, things like that. And what's the regulatory position with regards to acrylamide? Well, currently, there are no maximum residue limits set for acrylamide in foods. But what there are, are indicative values. And these have been set out in a commission recommendation. The last one was in 2011. And these values are used to advise enforcement officers so that if they find samples of materials or foods which are in excess of these values, they would then have a conversation with the food manufacturer to see whether or not they're actually following best practice to reduce the acrylamide levels to as low as reasonably practical. And the Commission considers that that maximum value would be these indicative values. So how would a food manufacturer use the indicative values? Well, at one level, the manufacturer might consider that the indicative values are actually the critical limits so that's the limit that separates what is conforming and non-conforming. So if it manufactures a product and it's above the indicative value, it's exceeded specification and then corrective actions are necessary. So if a manufacturer is striving to comply with the indicative values, what kind of tools are available to help them achieve that? Well, over the years since the Swedish discovery, there's been substantial amount of research financed both by industry and also by government agencies and the European Commission into the mechanisms of acrylamide formation and also the techniques that can be used to mitigate them. And within the European Union and related states, that's been consolidated into a single document called the Acrylamide Toolbox, which has been produced by Food and Drink Europe and it's freely available from their website. And what are the key features of the Acrylamide Toolbox? The Acrylamide Toolbox goes product by product, and it looks at the various contributory factors to acrylamide formation, and also identifies validated methods of mitigation. And then that provides the food manufacturer with a set of tools by which they can work to reduce the level of acrylamide within their product. But it's very important to realize that for one particular manufacturer, 
the tools that they would use might not be exactly the same as another manufacturer. And the guidelines make it very clear that it is not necessary to adopt all of the tools, and it's quite usual that manufacturers will only adopt some of them and not others. And that depends on their particular product profile. So how does a toolbox relate to established systems for food safety management, like HACCP, for example? Well, using the potato crisp industry as an example, it starts very much when the potato is actually sown in the field. So potato crisp manufacturers will specify to their suppliers that they will only produce particular varieties, which are known to be resilient, for example, to producing sugar during overwinter storage. So these will always be low-free sugar potatoes because sugar is one of the compounds that is a precursor for acrylamide. So if you have low precursor, you will logically have low levels of acrylamide. That then follows on that people who are storing the potatoes over winter will also ensure that the potatoes are stored above a certain temperature because storing in the cold favours sugar production. So the first case choice of variety of the potato is probably a prerequisite program. The storage of the potatoes could arguably be a critical control point because you can monitor the temperature of the storage of the potatoes throughout. But that's happening in the supply chain. And then in the case of the manufacturer, potato crisp manufacturers have identified the optimum frying temperature and time combinations which both give the product quality and microbial safety that they require, but also are optimised to lower the amount of acrylamide that's in the product. So what's Camden BRI's role in providing technical support to companies in helping them to minimise acrylamide in their product? Well, there are four particular areas where Camden BRI can help its clients in this area. Starting, first of all, with the regulatory aspect of it, our regulatory affairs department can assist in updating clients and members as to what the current status of acrylamide is in terms of indicative values or whether in the future uh, maximum residue limits are actually implemented. This is both at a European Union level but also, for example, on the advice that's provided by the Food Standards Agency. Moving on from that, at an analytical level, we are actually UCAS accredited for the analysis of acrylamide in foods. In terms of product development and product optimization, we have the ability to carry out processing trials to understand how acrylamide is formed in a particular client's foods and then also suggest additional mitigation factors. And finally, we can provide advice on the food safety management systems necessary to optimize achieving the objectives based on the information that's supplied from the previous three topics. Anton Aldrich, thank you very much.